It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from Eastern Iowa, where apartment ownership and investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Apartment Specialist Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Apartment Specialist Podcast. Hey everybody, Darren Garman here with this week's podcast and welcome to Darren Goes Off. This is Going Off Friday. Uh, and I know you may not be listening to this on a Friday. You may be listening to it really whenever, uh, whatever day. But it is being recorded on a Friday. So this is uh, called Darren Goes Off Podcast on Friday. And I'm going to go off about a few things. I'm going to go off about people and how I can pretty much predict who will uh, invest in who will uh, own multifamily real estate? I pretty much know who it will be uh, before they even invest in it. And uh, this also is a good predictor or precursor for other things that people will do. And I'll share that with you. My little, uh, I don't want to call it a secret. It's not really a secret, but, but uh, something that I've learned over the years that I think is pretty uh, valuable and we're going to bring it into multifamily real estate here, but we'll, it's also a really good general application of things too. So we're going to talk about people, and we're going to talk about the four to five people, by the way, if that gives you a hint. We're going to talk about knowing what to do, because bottom line, you already know what to do. It's just you don't do it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, and by the way, I am not immune to it either. We're going to talk about a balanced life. We all want that balanced life, don't we? We want balance in financial, emotional, spiritual, physical. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about sales. I'm going to go off on sales. And I'm not talking sales in terms of selling something. Uh, I'm talking about sales as you are out and about looking in the uh, retail market, you're buying stuff. You know, I'm going to talk to you about sales, especially in the personal development world about sales. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, the other thing I want to talk to you about, and I'm going to go off on a little bit, happens to be pushing the envelope and the discipline to push the envelope. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but before we get into me going off on these uh, topics, uh Let's talk about the Multifamily Investment Summit and Property Tour that's happening, holy cow, in less than 60 days. And we are pretty close to being full. So if you are a serious investor, either active or passive, in multifamily, and you've picked 2020 or the next decade or the next five years or two years or three years, whatever, to really get serious about this and make this a bigger part of your investment plan, your investment world, you would be smart to check out attending the free Multifamily Investment Summit and Property Tour. Okay, So this is not a boot camp. It's not a seminar where we get, bring in a bunch of people to sell you a bunch of stuff. Um, it is just me for a day and a half where we spend time together uh, learning, understanding, and getting a better feel to being a better multifamily owner and investor. Again, whether you're active or passive, 
and we take the property tour where it really puts it all together and brings it all together and um, end the day uh, after the tour. This is only for serious investors. Uh, you've got to, uh, A, have capital you want to invest, whether it's um, regular money or IRA or 401k money. Uh, you have to be a serious investor in terms of what you want to do over the coming years. Again, whether active or passive, it doesn't matter. Uh, this one needs to be a big piece of your wealth building, your income, your net worth. That's what the multifamily investment summit and property tour is for. Uh, and not surprisingly, what this does is it brings tens of thousands of candidates down to, you know, 15 is what it does. And so I'm only taking 15 and we're very, very close. So if you've not checked this out, if you really want to make extraordinary gains in your income and wealth over the next decade, not to mention 2020 and beyond, uh, you need to be here. Again, it is free. I don't charge for it. But the admission is you need to be a serious investor. So if you want more information, you want to sign up, you want to be involved with us on March 9th, that's March 9th of this year, you want to see the agenda, everything I will cover, what I will talk about, and what you will walk away with, you need to go to www.heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. Heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. That's heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. All one word, heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, grandmas and grandpas. I think I got that, actually. So when I was a kid, I love the circus, and the circus would not come to my town very often. I remember a couple of times it came to town. I mean, I grew up in small, small town Iowa. I mean, like population of 6,000. Uh, and those of you that know me and know me pretty well, I mean, I mean, this is old news to you. But, you know, I grew up in small town north central Iowa, and the circus just doesn't come to small town north central Iowa very often. But when it did... Man, I was excited and couldn't wait to go to the circus and um, check everything out. But I had a <laughs> one bad thing about the circus, and I don't know why this is the case. Uh, and maybe some of you will be able to relate to this. So I think all of us have like some kind of phobia of something. Um, and maybe I'm being a little bit too general when I say all of us. Probably not all of us. But, okay, most of us have like a phobia of something, you know. Uh, I mean, if you think about what you are scared of, what phobia you, I, I guarantee most everybody listening has something. Mine is clowns. <laughs> clowns, that's right. I'm scared to death of clowns. And... Uh, it came from the circus, though. I mean, I was excited to see everything at the circus, except when the clowns came out, and I still, to this day, I don't know why, but they scared the crap out of me. And they still do to this day. I mean, I'm, 
I'm over 50 years old and I'm a man scared of clowns. <laughs> That's pretty much the deal. Uh, you know, there was a time there, I think it was a few years ago, there'd be like clown sightings. I mean, people dressed up as clowns and they were doing some weird things in like heavy traveled areas or traffic areas and things going down. And I think like a couple of these guys got shot or something, but people would just be wearing clown suits and doing things. I mean, I'd be one that would be scared of these people. Um, so yeah, I, you know, one of the things I got from the circus was I was scared of clowns, but one of the thing, one of the good things I remember and still scared of them to this day is, uh, you know, the, um, the showman, uh, would, you know, talk about, you know, welcome everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and grandmas and grandpas to the circus. And off we went. And I remember that, and it brought, brings back some very good memories. You know, a couple of painful memories when it comes to clowns. I'll get over that, but uh, but that's where that um, that's where that comes from. So I'm looking forward to going off on a few things with you today. We're not going to really talk about uh, you know the the theory that you know the next theory or the next um, platitude of multifamily investing. We're going to talk a little bit about it, and some of these things are going to be related actually to investing, to be honest with you. But uh, some things I want to talk about that I notice more often than not in conversations I have with investors and with clients and private clients as well, uh, when I'm going through, um, you know, some coaching and some consulting, you know, some things that are, you know, when, when things repeatedly come up, uh, you know, you start making note. I mean, you notice, and then, you know, when it comes up more than a handful of times, you know, you start remembering that and making note of that. And that's what I'm going to cover today is just a few things I want to go off on. Uh, not only as a result of that, but you know, what I've been noticing out there, uh, out there, like I call it, you know, like I'm living, you know, like I'm living in a cave or something out there, you know, what, I, what I'm noticing out there. And um, uh, the first thing I'll talk about is I pretty much have down um, how I know someone will do something. Okay. So, um, now what I'm about to say, it's not warranted or guaranteed and all that. So this isn't like, you know, 100% accurate, but I find this more often than not to be the case. And it's not, it's neither bad nor good. It's just something I've noticed and I want to share it with you. And let's, let's bring it down to investing in multifamily properties, either actively or passively, first of all. And I'm going to lump investing in with owning your own business. Okay. So I'm going to lump it in with owning your own business. Um, Investing in multifamily real estate, whether actively or passively, I'm going to lump all that together. How do I know someone is either owning their own multifamily properties, going to invest in a multifamily property, um, owns their own business, is going to own their own business? How do I know? I can tell you, and it's pretty easy. It's what are their friends doing? Okay. What are their friends doing? And I've got a big, big exception to this, and I'll get to it here in just a second. 
But I can pretty much predict what somebody's going to do, what their attitudes are going to be um, in, in a lot of things. And of course, I deal with you know the investment side of things day in and day out pretty much in apartment properties. Um, you know, private clients, you know, looking to raise capital, you know, private clients looking to add more multifamily properties to, you know, increase their net worth and have more inventory and scale and all those kinds. So, you know, I deal with a lot of that and I see it through that because really a lot of what these people are doing or thinking is what their friends are doing or thinking. Those they associate with consistently are thinking and doing the same kinds of things. Okay. Um, so in other words, rarely do I talk with somebody whose friends hang out at, um, at the bar every day, drinking and go home. Uh, rarely do those folks that hang out at the bar every day, rarely do those people that have friends that hang out at the bar every day or play golf on the golf course every day or um, are involved in that kind of lifestyle, rarely are those people investing in real estate, right? Why? Because their friends don't. Uh, and really, it's kind of like you are, um, a lot of the people I deal with, they're a reflection of the top three, two, three, four people that they hang out with, communicate with, associate with. They're kind of a reflection of that, and that's what they tend to do. Okay. So almost to a client of mine or, or like a consulting or a coaching client, you know, almost to a client or coaching person they're a lot of their reflection of where they're at, what they want to do, how they want to get there is a reflection of who they're spending most of their time with, who they're spending their social time with too. Okay. Um, because you are pretty much, and I don't know who said this. I mean, I, I have no idea who said it. I, it may be, um, I don't know who said it, but you're kind of a reflection of the top three or four people you hang out with. You know, you show me who you hang out with. That's pretty much who you are most of the time. There's one big exception. And I'll get to that in a second, like I said. Right. So in other words, if somebody calls me, emails me and they want to invest in some multifamily properties or they want to talk about maybe doing some consulting regarding, I don't know, raising capital. And I start talking to them and we get into who are you talking to? Who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending most of your time with? And, you know, if it's people that, if it's people that spend most of their time binge watching Netflix, um, they're not going to do anything, but do the same thing. Okay. So it's kind of a lesson in a way, because not only is it a pretty good predictor of me knowing where these people are and what they really and what their motivations really are, it kind of tells you that maybe you're not where you need to be in whatever area of your life based on who you're hanging out with most of the time. Okay? 
Um, I mean, if you want to get in really good physical condition, you shouldn't be spending most of your time with people that could give a shit about that. Um, if you want to have more income, you want to have a higher net worth, you want to be better off spirit spiritually, uh, whatever, if you're spending most of your time with friends or acquaintances or even, by the way, even family members, and they're on the total polar opposite of this, you're wasting a hell of a lot of time because it's not going to work. And I know this specifically because my family, and I don't mean my immediate family like my wife or my kids, but I'm talking, you know, parental figures and relatives. I mean, the opposite is, the. I mean, it's unbelievable the opposites that are there between me and them. Right? Um, so whoever you're hanging out with most of the time, whoever you're spending most of your time with, whomever you're listening to most, is going to kind of guide you to wherever you're at. And if you're at a place you're not happy about, you may want to kind of take inventory of who you're hanging out with. Because when I, again, when I talk to in people that are thinking about investing or raising money, or buying or whatever it is, especially when it comes to investment real estate, specifically apartment communities most of the time. And we get into their, you know, who they're talking to, who they're hanging out with, what they're doing with their time. And it's with losers, pretty much. Um, I mean, I already know. I already know. And you can do yourself a hell of a lot of good by kind of taking inventory of that. So I told you before there's an exception. Here's like a big one. And the exception is the person that is pretty much all alone, doing their own thing, not hanging out with most anybody. Right? So if you talk to my wife, so you talk to Gina, and you say, hey, how many friends does Darren have? She will laugh at you. Because I don't have any. <laughs> I don't. Now, I mean, I've got like, I got like five guys. I got like one main guy who is a childhood friend. The other four guys are childhood friends. Okay? That's it. That's all I got. Now, I have a hell of a lot of acquaintances. I have a hell of a lot of people that, you know, I don't mind spending a little bit of time with here or there, talking to, chatting with, you know, being social with. That's I got a lot of those. But when it comes to friends, I got like five. That's it. Okay. I mean, but, you know, the bottom line is when you are headed in a direction that is the polar opposite or close to the polar opposite of many people that you used to or thought about or maybe would hang out with or spend time with, by osmosis, you're going to be alone. By osmosis, you're going to be different. And if you think about the... Um, those people that are considered to be icons in any field, 
financial, physical, spiritual, whatever. Do you think they're hanging out with a whole bunch of friends? Do you think they're doing all the social things? No, they're not. They're not. So am I telling you to be antisocial? No, I'm not. But I'm telling you the exception to everything I just said is the person, and maybe it's you, that purposely um, does things on their own. You know, it used to be the, the saying was, you know, he pretty much lives by the beat of his or her own drum. She, he or she lives by the beat of their own drum. Well, that's really how you want to be, pretty much. And a really good predictor of who I work with from a high performance standpoint, by the way. So the, let's just put it this way. The highest net worth people that I work with that are either partners of mine um, or that are going to be partners of mine or that I'm involved in with some kind of a business venture, they're not people that hang out with a whole bunch of other people. They're not into that. Um, you know, and, and that kind of leaves some clues, I think. So, so really, at the end of the day, if you're not really where you're at or where you want to be in whatever area of your life, I don't know, right? I want you to think about who you're hanging out with most of the time because they're rubbing off on you. They're rubbing off on you. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. All right, so I wanted to go off on that. So that's number one. Number two, a balanced life. So if you want a balanced life, you need to understand that there's really no such thing as a balanced life. Now, that, I, I guess I didn't say that right. That didn't sound good. That didn't sound the way I wanted it to. Let me, let, let me rephrase that. Um, if you want to have any kind of what you would consider success in whatever area or even more than one area of your life, it's impossible to have a balanced life. It's just impossible. It's not going to happen. And one of the biggest myths and BS things that I see out there that I love to go off on is the notion that, you know, you can have a balanced life or that you should feel... Uh, bad or uh, you should have some kind of obligation to lead a balanced life. There's no way you can do it. There's no way. And to the degree of success that you have or not in any area of your life is based on how balanced you are. So let me put it to you this way. If you consider yourself a very balanced person, so here's what I mean. You, um, you have a good career. You have a good um, personal life, a good spiritual life. Physically, you're in good shape. So if you're balanced like that, I can tell you that you are pretty much an average person. Now, nothing wrong with average. You're an average person. Uh, and I'll tell you why here in just a minute. So if you consider yourself balanced, you know, you, you pray, you're in good shape, you um, attend all your kids' ball games, 
um, you're doing good in whatever job or career you're at, uh, you know, you're going to church every Sunday, you're leading your, you know, youth ministry group, um, you're having quality time with, you know, the, the person or the persons you care about consistently. Uh, if that's you, congratulations, okay? Uh, because you're pretty much average. All right? You're pretty much average. And again, there's nothing wrong with being average. And I, I don't want you to get the impression that I'm sitting on some kind of a high horse here talking down at you. That's not the case. And if, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong. Um, there's a lot of days where, you know, I wish I punched a clock at 9 o'clock and punched it at 5 and went home and didn't have anything to worry about. You know, I, there's many, many of those days. And if you have owned ever owned your own business or have owned any kind of real estate, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But... To the degree in which you're pissed off or frustrated in some area of your life, and maybe it's more than one area, it's because you're being balanced in other areas. You're spending time in those other areas. So put it this way. If you're mad you don't have six-pack abs, you're not bringing in seven figures a year in income, um, you don't have the hot husband or hot wife you thought you should, uh, your kids aren't as successful as you thought they should be. I could go on and on. If, if you have any area of your life that you're frustrated about, it's because you haven't spent enough time in that area and have been disciplined with your time in that area. It's really as simple as that, I think. Right? It's, pretty, it's really simple as that. And so I know that you can come up with areas in your life that you're like, God, that really frustrates me. I really need to be better there. Or whether it's weight loss, physical condition, how you look, income you're making, financial, better relationship with God or Buddha or whatever. If you're not where you want to be, it's because you haven't spent enough time there because you're spending time in other places. And you can't spend enough time in those places you want to improve because you will then be what? Unbalanced. That's right, unbalanced. So the bad news, kids, is in order to get to where you want to get to in any area of your life, you've got to freaking focus on that area and that's where you spend most of your time. And whenever you decide to accomplish something of significance in some area or areas, it's going to require you to spend most of your time in those areas, which will make you unbalanced. Right? Um, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. And anyone that has the kind of Superstar success, whether it's in sports, the superstar uh, athletes that we can all think of, whether it's physical condition, um, whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, 
Do you really think that these people can achieve the upper echelon of success in any of those areas and have a balanced life? No freaking way. Not possible. It's not. And again, if you're into balance and you want it all to be balanced out in all your areas, I'm not picking on you, I promise. It's fine. It's good. But here's what you can't do. And this is what a lot of my, especially kind of first getting to know me, um, investment partners, some of them, uh, but more consulting clients get. <laughs> here's what they do. You don't have the right to bitch about it then. So if you're not spending the amount of discipline focused time in those areas that you want to really passionately be successful at, you can't be bitching. You can't. It's like the guy that is complaining to me that he hasn't been able to raise enough capital to invest in by whatever multifamily community or communities when he's not spending the amount of discipline focus time on it and wonders why don't I get why don't I have that and here's 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 the bad news for most people a little bit of time a little bit of average we'll put it this way average time average effort average energy won't get you there and people are like baffled by this. They're baffled by it. So if you think that you can spend the average amount of time being, let's say, a good football player, I'm just going to throw that out there. If you spend the average amount of time, and by average I mean maybe you go to the practices, maybe you do a little bit of off-season conditioning work, um, you do some off-season required conditioning, um, you go to the practices and you play. That's average. All you're going to be is average. But here's what happens. A lot of people are like befuddled because they think now because they spent average time on it, they should get what? The superstar kind of results. That's the crazy thing. So I'm talking to this guy the other day. How much time have you spent in the last couple of weeks working on raising the amount of capital you want to raise? And this guy's looking at like, like tens of millions of dollars. Here's what he tells me. Oh, probably about 20 hours. Okay, so I said, so in the last two weeks, you spent 10 hours a week working on raising this capital. Yeah, that's about right. I'm like, are you kidding me? So you think... That's going to do it. Well, I mean, it is you know, about 10 hours a week. Oh, my God. So the guy actually thinks he's, put, he's doing enough to get superstar status when raising this capital for this project he's working on. And this example I just gave you is you can plug it into anything. Athletes, business owners, spiritual, financial physical. If you think you're going to get six-pack abs by getting on your elliptical three times a week, 
for 45 minutes, you are freaking mistaken, buddy. It's not going to happen. Right? But see, a lot of people think that's, well, you know, I put, put in the time. You have no clue. You have not put in the time. You ask any person that is worth a ton of dough, a ton of money, and you ask them how much focus time they spent on their business or businesses to get there, you won't believe the answer you get. You won't believe it because it's unbelievably 10, 20, 30 times more than you ever would have thought. And am I recommending this? Am I saying this is, I'm not going down that road. I'm just telling you that balance is freaking impossible if you want to achieve superstar status in some or one or more areas of your life. You can't do it. So you either need to make one of two decisions. Decision number one is, okay, I understand now that my life is not going to be balanced and I need to focus on and have that discipline focus on whatever area I need to go and need to work on. And that's just the way it's going to freaking be. And it's going to upset some people. It's going to make some things uncomfortable. I'm going to be uncomfortable. Um, That's just the way it's going to be. It's either that decision or, well, I'm going to just be balanced all over and, and not have what I thought I really wanted, and that's just the way it's going to be. No wrong answer. But you can't expect to make diamonds out of the time, effort, and energy it takes to dig a hole. Does that make sense? You can't. And a lot of people get caught up in that. I see it a lot. I hear it a lot. And um, I know from personal experience, that ain't the case. That ain't the case. Again, no wrong answer, but that is something I did want to go off on. Speaking of which, which is related to that, let's talk about knowing what to do. Knowing what to do. Um, There was a guy... There's a guy that owned a business that, you know, he ultimately, I think it was like a, um, it was a tech business. <clears throat> and he, I mean, so he came up with this. I, I didn't, but I mean, it's, it's really, really insightful. <clears throat> his name is Derek Seavers. Derek Seavers is his name. And, uh, you know, he came up with the, the term. I mean, this is where, at least where I got it. Billionaire with perfect abs. Okay. Billionaire with perfect abs. And what he meant by that was, if we all did what we know we should do, we would all be billionaires with perfect abs. Now, let's think about that. Let that sink in for a second. If we all did what we know we should do, we'd all be billionaires with perfect abs. <laughs> that's pretty good, really. Right? And yeah, you could go to extremes from one extreme to another in a lot of areas of life and categories and all of that. But it's really true. Because really, at the end of the day, most of us really, really know what we need to do. We just, we just don't do it. Right? We just don't do it. 
Uh, a lot of us don't do it because we don't have enough time. So back to our, um, you know, our focus thing and our balance thing. So if you're trying to um, grow a business, for example, uh, you're going to be spending 14, 16 hours a day working on that business. Okay, it's kind of hard to, you know, carve a six pack out of your belly or lose that 15 or 20 pounds you're trying to lose when you're focused on that. Right? I mean, we know we should do it, but do we do it? Like, I know I should be getting eight hours of sleep a night. I don't do it. Sometimes I do, but I don't do it. But I know I should. Every supposed expert, I mean, over the last, I don't know how many years, is telling you seven, eight hours of sleep minimum. You know, I, I know what I should do, but I don't do it. Um, so when I get done with this podcast, uh, Gina's talking about, you know, making some pretty good pizza tonight, you know, get some pizza going. I'll probably have a couple of beers with the pizza. And maybe if I'm lucky, there might be a couple of wings in there too. Well, I know that's probably not the healthiest thing to do. I know that. Um, especially since I spent time working out today to, you know, to, to have a better, healthier body. I know, but what am I going to do? I'm going to have a couple of beers. I'm going to have some pizza. And if there's wings, hallelujah, I'm going to eat those too. Because I mean, so all of us are guilty of this. But when, when you, the, the problem I have and what I want to go off on is way too many of us don't take responsibility for shit. And we say, oh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know about that, or I didn't know about this. Um, and our society is just freaking plagued with this. You know, nobody wants to take responsibility and they want to blame somebody else because they keep saying they didn't know. I didn't know. Not my fault. I didn't, you know, it's somebody else's fault. I didn't know. Um, and I see it a lot in my business in owning uh, multifamily assets, uh, not only from like residents, but from employees too. Well, I didn't know that. Well, y yeah, you know, yeah, you really did. So you need to take responsibility. Um, and it happens way, way, way more than it needs to in a lot of areas, a lot of areas. So, we all really know what to do, especially in those big, important moments in our lives that come across, come around. And a lot of our progress or lack of it, has to, in whatever area you want to talk about, has to do with you really knowing what to do, but you just don't do it. You just don't do it. So if you really wanted to build that business or you really wanted to, I'll use a really, really, I'll use a personal example. So our, we have a storage area in the basement of our house, storage room. And the storage room is just full of stuff. I mean, it's full. It needs to be 
cleansed. I mean, there needs to be stuff thrown away, stuff moved around. I mean, that's needed to be done now for months, okay? So I know that needs to be done, but what am I doing? I'm not doing it. I'm doing something else. When I know I either need to hire somebody to go down there and do it, or Gene and I need to suck it up, roll up our sleeves, and go down there and get to work. But what do we do instead? We don't do that. I find uh, another thing to work on in the business. I got another client to talk to, another investment partner I got to talk to. Uh, I got to get an email out to my folks. I got to get this report read. I got to get the profit and loss statement done. You know, pretty soon that happens over and over again. Days, weeks, months go by and all that stuff is still accumulating. I mean, I know it needs to be done. I know what to do, but I'm not doing it. And a lot of times in that example, only when it gets to like point critical, you know, critical, oh my God, something's going to happen. Now we got to do something. And that's like the worst time to deal with it, isn't it? That's the worst time to deal with it. And we could come up with a hundred examples of that, right? Um, all right, let's talk about sales really quick. I'm going to put two to $3,000 in your pocket right now. And it has to do with sales. So whenever you shop, uh, especially retail, everybody's always having a sale. But I'll use the holiday sales specials. You know, so Christmas, Halloween, Valentine's Day, um, 4th of July, uh, President's Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody's always having like a sale and using those holidays as their anchor to have the sale. And whatever they're selling is, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 40% off, whatever it is. Well, what is that? How much was that product worth before the sale? The answer is the same as it is when the sale happens. Okay. So I put, you know, quite a bit of money in my pocket every year by basically saying, hey, I noticed you were selling this um, for X amount of dollars at your Valentine's Day sale. Can I get the same price? Or I'd like to get the same pricing. And a lot of times I'll get it. Uh, now, admittedly, I am a lot more successful the smaller the business is and the type the in the type of the business versus large companies, corporations that have a bunch of bureaucracy and BS they got to go through in order to make that happen. Right? So, um, I'm not going to go to, you know, big, 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 big box retailer a lot of times and basically say, you know, you guys were selling this sweatshirt for um, uh, this amount of money over Christmas. You know, can I get the same pricing? Because you're you're going to, you know, the the kid, the college kid or the high school kid that you're, that you're talking to is going to look at you and his eyes are going to glaze over. But if it's a small online business that I'm buying a investment course from and they had this big sale three weeks ago, 
I'm going to say, hey, how about I get that for what you were selling it for three weeks ago? And guess what? A lot of the times they will give it to you for that. So this isn't so much about picking on the small business. That's not my point. But my point is, whenever it comes to sales, you can put a lot of money in your bank in, 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 in your pocket by asking if you can get the same price that it was for sale for when they had the sale. Right? Um, I've been very successful with this when we bought automobiles. Very successful. And uh, <clears throat> there, there's no reason to not ask the question. I mean, it's pretty easy and simple. I mean, if you're buying a vehicle in April and the dealership was having the St. Patrick's Day sale three weeks before, uh, you know, hey, I noticed that you guys are having this special three weeks ago. Um, I'd be real interested in this vehicle if I get that special. What do you think? Well, guess what? Most of the times you'll get it. But you won't if you don't ask. Right? Um, so again, this is a real successful strategy to use. The more mom and pop small business or smaller regional business it is where you've got some pretty good decision makers, uh, at least they have some kind of authority in and around that business. You know, the bigger boxes, um, I mean, I'm not going to go into a Kohl's department store. I mean, it's I'm pretty much wasting my time unless it's something they really, really want to get rid of. Um, but if I'm online and, uh, you know, somebody was selling a book, a course, a program, um, uh, something that I'm interested in, and, uh, you know, the piece of equipment was, you know, $2,000 on New Year's Day. I mean, and the price is $2,750 today. I'm going to ask if I can get it for $2,000, right? And you'll be surprised how many uh, times you'll be able to get some movement and you'll be able to put money in your pocket by simply asking that question. All right, let's talk about one last thing here on this podcast, and it's pushing the envelope. Um, <clears throat> and having the discipline to do it. So, uh, it kind of relates back to uh, a lot of my uh, coaching and consulting clients, and a lot of the, especially the investors that we work with on the um, active end of things. We don't see this so much with the passive investor that we have, but the active investor, we see it quite a bit. And that is <clears throat> delaying and putting roadblocks in front of yourself and not knowing you are. So one of the worst things that you can do and the worst things that happens, um, and really in most any area of your life, if you really think about it, is making small steps of progress when you could be making leaps in progress. And I'll say that again. Making small steps in progress 
when you can be making leaps in progress. Um, and so let me qualify that for a second. There's nothing wrong with small steps in progress. I mean, there are many days in my business where we're making small brick by brick. We're building, you know, building the business, so to speak. Brick a day, you know. <clears throat> There's many days where it's like we're just putting bricks in one brick at a time, one brick at a time, each and every day. So are we making progress? Yeah. There are other days where we're making freaking leaps in progress. I mean, leaps, gigantic leaps in progress. Um, and a lot of times what I find is, uh, especially investors that um, do their own ownership, running their own properties, they're active owners. Uh, and so the example I'm going to give you applies to like almost any area of your life. So when I sit down with an active investor and they want to invest in or buy their next property, a lot of them will want to default to small. Uh, I want to start with, or I want to get my next four unit property or eight unit property um, or duplex or six unit property. Um, and what that does is it gives them the small steps of progress if and when they buy those properties and own them. Nothing wrong with that because they're making progress, right? They're owning their investment property or they're adding to their investment properties. But they would be a hell of a lot better off pushing the envelope and buying like a 24-unit building, 36 units, 48 units, um, and figuring out how to do it. Because the first thing you'll think of when I say it is, well, but Darren, what if they don't have the money to do that? What if they don't have the capital to do that? Well, you can come up with some creative ways of getting that capital. I know. I've done it. A lot. How else can you get it? And what happens is when they push the envelope, they find they make leaps in progress, right? Leaps in income, leaps in net worth, in our example, okay, of owning your own apartment community. So let's kind of uh, move that over to, let's just say, physical stuff. And so um, are you going to go to the Barnes and Noble and read about a better diet, okay? Are you going to educate yourself on what you should be eating to, let's say, lose weight and gain muscle or, or you know, whatever it is, both, one or the other? Are you going to read some books, listen to some podcasts, and get educated on some of the things you should do? Are you making progress there? Yeah, you're baby stepping your way there. Better than nothing. Or should you just say, screw it, and join the CrossFit down the street, 
get your ass out of bed at five in the morning, four or five times a week, and you hit the workouts right now, what do you think would be the best thing to do? That's right. You'll make the quantum leaps by doing what would be considered pushing the envelope physically. Now, I know that example, it depends on age. I mean, geez, Darren, I'm 64 years old. I can't really be doing pull-ups. Well, I get it. But there are similar things you can be doing, right? There are things that you can be doing. I mean, physically, I can't deadlift as much as I want. Hell, if you watch my bench press, my the Garmin Christmas bench press contest, you know, I can't lift even close to what I used to be able to. But I'm going to make the quantum leaps in my physical, my health, my physicality, my muscle mass, my weight, whatever, by pushing the freaking envelope right now. <clears throat> Not by thinking logically and, oh, I'm going to read another book on weightlifting first. I'm going to try three or four exercises this week and see how it goes. Okay, all that's fine, but if you want to make the kind of freaking progress in what area of your whatever area of your life, you need to push the envelope now. So here, here here's what I'll tell you. Let's go back to the investing thing again. So almost to an investor. So I sat every client I've worked with over the last 30 years that are active investors, even passive investors, by the way. And I would say, what's your number one regret that you got in the world of investing in multifamily properties? What's your number one regret? Here's what they're going to say. Almost to every single person, they're going to say this. Should have started bigger. Knowing what I know now, should have started bigger. Should have pushed the envelope right away right? Too many of us want to play it safe, uh, want to default to being careful, um, want to not make a mistake. And really, at the end of the day, we care what people think. And so we don't want to be embarrassed, right? When, you know, pushing the envelope is probably what you really need to do in whatever area you need to do it in. Because uh, that's where the quantum leaps of progress come from is by pushing the envelope, right? And there's no reason not to. And so as a result of us wanting to be careful, caring what people think, and wanting to kind of baby step and logically do things, we put these little roadblocks in our way. Uh, we're making progress, but we have to keep going around these damn roadblocks all the time. Well, when you push the envelope on things, the roadblocks don't totally disappear, but there's a hell of a lot fewer of them in your way. A lot fewer. And again, if you are at a place or a point in whatever area, so when I look at my life, and I've got like areas that I'm like frustrated about. And more than likely I'm frustrated because I have not pushed the envelope enough in that given area. Right? I mean, pretty much. 
I've been too conservative, too careful, uh, too logical. And have I made a little bit of progress? Sure. But at the end of the day, I haven't pushed the envelope enough in that area. And I'm maybe a little frustrated by it. Well, why am I frustrated? Well, I haven't pushed the envelope enough. So it may not be, it may not be a case where you're not on the right track. Because a lot of times then people think, well, maybe I'm not doing the right thing or I'm not focusing on the right thing or doing the right stuff. Maybe you're just not pushing the envelope hard enough in that area. Maybe, right? So those were some things I wanted to go off on on a Friday. Uh, a snowy, snowy Friday here in the heartland in the middle of January. And so hopefully that what I've shared with you today has been insightful, um, hopefully maybe even a little inspirational, and giving you some things to think about. Um, and again, a lot of this is based on my daily interactions with people. And I deal with a lot of high, high, high performers. Uh, a lot of them. And uh, I deal with folks that are, a lot of folks that are trying to get to that point. And they're in various areas of that. And so a lot of what I've shared with you on this podcast today has a lot to do with that. And at the end of the day, a lot of this leaves, the good news about all of this stuff is a lot of this leaves us clues on making decisions for ourselves. And that's what today's podcast was about with me going off on those clues that I see and that I've passed on to you. So I want you to have a great day, have a great week or weekend whenever you've listened to me, and we will talk to you soon. Later. Bye-bye. Hey, Darren Garman again. I just want to remind you about the Heartland Investment Summit if you need to. Push the envelope in the direction of the success you want and are looking for as a multifamily owner or investor, whether active or passive. This event needs to be on your calendar. It's March 9th. It's coming up soon. So more information on it to get an idea of exactly everything we will cover and what you will gain by attending. You want to go to Heartland Investment Summit all one word.com that's heartlandinvestmentsummit.com heartlandinvestmentsummit.com thanks for joining the apartment specialist podcast for investment questions comments or to get in touch with darren go to www.heartlandinvestmentrealestate.com